Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Building our life upon the solid rock of Christ. And it's upon this rock that I believe that God is calling us in these days to to investigate, to look at the foundations of our life. When shaking comes, and even when you hear the rumblings, um, Andrea and I recently went to see uh, that movie, San Andreas. And, uh, you know, everybody enjoys a good world-shaking flick. But, uh, but it made me think about our foundations. Not only the physical ones that we have, but our spiritual ones, to really examine. And when things start to shake, that's the time to do it. Matter of fact, it's a better idea to even investigate it before it comes to that time, amen? And I'm getting asked, you know, more and more about the last days, and I I, I mean, I can't sin anywhere with another believer before they kind of come and, you know, draw in close and say, Pastor, are we living in the last days? And the answer is yes, we certainly are. But is this the last of the last days? That I don't know. You know, the Bible tells us that no one knows except the Father. And even Jesus said that. No one knows the day nor the hour, but Jesus did teach us. He said, you will know by the season. That he said, when you start to see things change and you see these particular signs, then know that it's getting near. And that was a, a wonderful gift from Christ himself so that we would be ready. The truth is we are all living in what I would call our last days. The Bible teaches us to live each day with a constant reminder of our eternal time clock. In other words, we all know that even, even the days that we wait for the, the return of Christ as believers, the, the term Maranatha was the, the Christians would speak to one another with those words, with that expectation. And as centuries turned into millennia, we have learned that we're still waiting. We're still waiting for his second coming. And we're excited. And Jesus warned us, he cautioned us, to always be ready. And there are three last days analogies that I want to share with you this morning that kind of give us that tenor, that feel of how we should be prepared, how we should be thinking when we think of our last days. Because the truth is, we know we've 70 years, 80 years if we have the strength. The Bible teaches us that we've been given 120 years. And if you're Amazon or Google, they're, boy, they are bent on trying to get, squeeze out every one of those years with the technology and the things you're trying to learn. But it's interesting, but I won't go into all of that. But the truth is we know we have a time span in how we live those days. Uh, Jesus will ask us what we've done with the grace and the gifts that he's given us. And so he shares these three analogies I want to share briefly here this morning The first one he talks about in Matthew chapter 25, 1 through 13. And I'm just going to read a lot of scripture this morning. He says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And of course, just so that you understand as we flow, that the ten virgins uh, uh, represent the church. And the bridegroom, of course, Jesus. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Interesting, 50%. Division there. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. Oil being the Holy Spirit. The wise ones, however, took 
oil in jars along with their lamps. The lamps representing the vision and the call, the purpose of God. The bridegroom was long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on the way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived, and the virgins who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. You know, we're taught in Bible study, what they call hermeneutics, is to not derive doctrine from parables or from analogies like this. And so you have to be careful. You can't derive your whole eschatology or your theology of the second coming of Christ based on one story. But they're hints. And what you have to do is you want to do what is called comparative Bible study. You want to say, is this familiar or does this connect, does this jive, if you will, with other places in scriptures, in the scripture, that talk about the second coming of Christ or other things that Jesus said. And what we do find here is there's a lot of similarity. As a matter of fact, there's a little more um, clarity that is giving. And that one of the things that I really believe that is the biggest point of the, this story of the, uh, or this parable of the ten virgins is this, the last part, which is there'll come a time when people will look to Christ and they'll say, Lord, Lord, they'll be confessing his name, they'll recognize who he is, and, he'll, and they'll say, open the door. In other words, let us into your kingdom when he says, I don't know who you are. To me, what we take away from this story is one real key thing about Christians today, and that is relationship. Relationship. See, the thing is that I believe is that, as you've, you've heard me say over and over again from this pulpit, is that part of, I think, of the deception of our age is to think that we can be drawn into religion, we can be drawn into this lifeless liturgy that takes us away from the personal relationship with Jesus Christ we're meant, and he died for us to have. And so this, if we were to examine our hearts, if we were to look at foundation, if we were to pull the, bro the broom out and really begin to ask God to say, Lord, am I ready? Am I ready for your coming? I think what we need to do is hear the words of Jesus himself saying, it's all going to come down to whether I recognize you, know your voice, and familiar with who you are because we connect on a daily basis. You see what I'm saying? It reminds me of an old Wings episode years ago. You probably, I don't know if you remember that show. I used to laugh my head off with that. And it, one of the episodes was about this guy who came and he looked at, I think his name was Joe, and he said, hey, we were friends back in high school and Joe was kind of letting on that he knew him the whole time. He turns to Helen and says, I don't know this guy at all. But he was pretending that he did. It was very funny. Well, in this case, when we finally decide or for those who figure out that they never really knew the Lord, it's not going to be such a funny thing. 
And so when we look at foundations, once again, we should look at the reality. We should examine our hearts. If we're to look at an aspect of our foundation, we should immediately go to relationship and begin to, to, to reconnect, to, to get to that place to just say, you know, am I known by the Lord? And do I know him? It says the sheep know his voice. And the, the, the shepherd knows his sheep. And so, you know, this is one of those things where we take the scripture and we allow it to, in, in a way that gets out of the epistles and talking about grace and faith and, and the wonderful, powerful doctrines. And sometimes it just comes down to this. Jesus say, look, with all that aside, it, it's about relationship. Do you know me? Do you know my voice? Do you talk to me? Another analogy that I believe is so powerful in Matthew 24, the chapter preceding 25 there, he tells this story, this parable. But about the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. So Jesus is saying, look, it's, the world is going to continue on. Things are going to happen. When he comes, there's not going to be any pause. It's just going to be life being lived on the planet. And then Jesus will come. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women, women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day our Lord, your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house, let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household, to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. In this analogy, in this story that Jesus is telling, we get two things in particular. One is to be watchful. Relationship, he told us, this, he said, look, you need to know me. Secondly, we need to be watchful. In the first one, he talked about falling asleep, that you know, half the, the virgins fell asleep. And here again, he hits on that again, about being watchful, about being in a state of constant readiness. You see what I'm saying? And as believers, what sometimes, and, and as the church as a whole, we can be lulled into thinking, oh, well, you know, we don't know when he's going to come. It's been 2,000 years, might be another 1,000, so let's just eat, drink, be happy. And maybe we'll catch it, you know. I use this little thing on my phone, which is wonderful, I mean, some people think it's weird, but I've got this fine friend features, and I've got my, my girls on it, so I know where they are. And if they get into trouble, I'll be able to find out where they are. Um, some people would think, and well, it also helps me out if Andrea's 10 minutes away coming back from Raleigh. I'm like, gosh, i got 10 minutes to get the house cleaned up. Amen. <laughs> you ladies, you got to know that's a, good little, that's a good little gift, right? Come on now. The boys and I, were tearing things up, and I'm looking, oh, man, she's right down. Boys, let's go. Let's get it going. You know, if we had something like that, you know, to know Jesus would be coming, that would be nice. 
But the truth is, you do. It's called the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is inside you, he said, he said look, let me just tell you how it's going to be that First of all, you need to be watchful. And he said, you see, you see the fig leaves on that tree? They're beginning to, to turn. They're beginning. He says, you're going to generally get an idea of my coming. You're going to know. And even if you, and I, I'm not one of those kind of people that get into last day stuff. You know that about me. I mean, if you've been in here in any, any period of time. But I don't know. There is something rising up inside me in these days, and, and, uh, which I find very interesting about myself because I don't generally go that way but there's a, a kind of an idea, a sense of eschatology, that there's a sense of his coming that is just fresh, burning in my spirit, and I'm just saying, okay, the sons of Issachar knew the signs of the times, and they were prepared. And so I really feel the Holy Spirit telling me, David, prepare my people. So that's what I'm doing today. That's what I'm doing. I'm being faithful to the Lord. Watch. Be watchful. Be ready. Live your life like it's your last. You live every day like it's your last day. Because even if he does not come again today, as we walk out those doors, it could be any one of ours last day, right? We can go to see, we can end this world. His second coming is instant. I mean, he's guaranteed to come again in our lives at some point. Whether he come in the clouds or we see him and go to him, it's going to happen. So it must be ready. And Jesus was saying that, look, be watchful. Then he also talked about being wise, living our lives with purpose. Now, this is a message you've heard quite a bit here, and that is don't, don't be idle. Paul rebuked often when he wrote to, wrote to the churches. He often said, look, rebuke those who are idle, those who are not walking in their faith, those who are not moving in their gifts, those who are not praying, seeking, coming and fellowshipping. He says, go to them and rebuke them and say, listen, you're a believer. You need to be moving because in the kingdom of God, there is no stasis. There is no stoppage. You're either growing in Christ or you're, you are uh, declining in God. Okay? And so being idle is not a good idea. Not only because for that reason, but because we're going to be held account for what God has given to us, the blessings, the ability to understand him, the, the, the concept, the whole idea that you've been given a mouth and you can breathe in and out and you've been given a life and you've been given faith and your heart and mind has been illumined means you've been given a tremendous gift. Whether you've been given anything else, you've been given that if you're sitting in this room today. And he says, I'm going to, going to keep you accountable for that. I'm going to ask you that question. What have you done with what I've given you? The greatest gift of the universe. He says, so a wise servant. He says, the master has put us in charge of his household to be involved in the distribution of the wonderful things that he's purchased on the cross for us. And so he's saying, look, two things. Be watchful and be wise and being active. The third analogy we have here is the sheep and the goats. And this is a strong one. Bible teachers have had a difficult time dealing with this one for generations. But it's in the book, and we can't ignore it. Matthew 25, 31 through 33. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, 
And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And even though the rest of the world will be shaken, we know, now that's the end of the verse there. I should have put an unquote there. He said he's going to do this division. So we got to remember, Jesus said, look, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's going to be. All of man, all of history is going to be wrapped up, and there's only going to be two sides. There's not going to be, okay, well, we're going to take this group of people who weren't really sure about what was going on and had this whole idea of, well, we just, you know, gosh, People Magazine really convinced us otherwise. So can we just sit in this group of people and we work that out? Jesus said, no. It's going to be very clear, those who followed me and those who didn't. And keeping that kind of division, I think, is so critically key. You know, one of the questions that Andrew and I were talking about the other day is just wanting to ask people more and more, do you fear God? Do you fear God? And if in your heart you say, well, I don't, and, and is he somebody to be feared? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And then ask the next question, do you expect to be blessed? And it's funny because you can't have, you can't have both, by the way. You can't fear God and expect, I mean, what I'm saying is if you don't fear God, don't expect to be blessed, okay? And yet I think the church has wandered into this lane that that, that we all think that we're going to be blessed, but we don't acknowledge him as God. We don't fear him. We're not questioning what's taking place in our culture. We're not sensitive for the things that, like we sang in the song, we're not We're not being aroused in our passions regarding the things that God is. When it breaks his heart to see what is taking place in our culture, we just say, oh, well. Reading recently, they said this has been one of the biggest cultural revolutions that has taken place probably in America's history. Without a shot being fired, without any real fight, without any real battles, and yet, The church has been lulled into believing so many things that break the heart of God. And where are we? Where are we in all that? And I think it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to wake up and realize that even though, yes, some of these things are written in stone regarding his coming, he says, look, do not be fooled. Do not be filled. When he comes, he will, he will hold us to the truths that he has laid. He's not going to come back you know, and say, oh, wow, great job. You guys really worked this thing, whole thing out and created this middle ground. Well done. No, he's going to say, what did you do with the truths that I gave you in a book that lasted for generations after generations and was attacked time and time again and yet endured? What have you done with that truth? How have you applied it to your life? Watchful and wise. See, even though the rest of the world will be shaken, we know biblically, both figuratively and literally, we as Christians will stand if we do not lose heart. Some lost heart examples that we see taking place now are people beginning to doubt God's promises of rescue. Will he come again? Hmm. It's been a long time. Jesus warned us we might think that way. Doubt that God cares, and a lot of times it can feel that way. 
I mean, we all live there. God, do you really care? Do you care enough for what's going on here? But once again, if we don't fear him, then we can't expect his blessing. If we don't talk to him, then we can't expect to have a relationship. If we're not connected to God, then we're not going to get anything that God has. I mean, it breaks my heart. It makes me laugh sometimes. I say, well, I don't believe that healing is for today. And I just say, well, you ain't going to get any of it then. You know? But if you believe that God is moving today, that you believe that God is alive and well and active and ready to move spontaneously, supernaturally in the lives of people who trust him and believe him and follow him and fear him, if you believe that, then you're going to get all of that and more. Not only for your own lives, but into the lives of the people that come to you and say, do you have any oil? See, because after the time, we can't give him any oil but we can give them oil now. And that's what the church is called to do. Third thing that we, we usually struggle with is doubt that his word is truth. And that's really where we are now. Beginning to wonder, is it true? Is it real? Sexuality, finances, governments. Is it all right to lie as long as it is for a greater good? Is it all right to do, I mean, and I find Christians falling into that trap all the time. Well, I mean, one time I got on Facebook, and man, I've given up on Facebook. Forget that. I mean, they'll shout down a pastor in a heartbeat. I'm serious. And I get down there and say, yeah, well, that's hypocrisy, and, why? and they're just like, oh, come on. They're just doing it for laughs. They're just doing it for that. And it's like, yeah, okay. Is that what you're going to tell Jesus when he comes? Oh, they were just doing it for laughs, Jesus. I mean, they weren't serious. Well, have you asked them? Sometimes it just, it's amazing what I see people doing to try to cover others in the lies that they're believing. Here's some stand strong principles. Because we've got to go to the words of Jesus. When we think about these times, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. None. Talking to people who call themselves believers recently just said, well, I think there are many ways to God. You lost, Johnny. Tell them what they will not win. And that is eternal life, my friend. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man or woman comes to the Father except through me. That's it. It's done. It's over. There's no discussion, my friends. And if you've bitten into that lie, then I'm telling you, there's a part that you're going to discover when Jesus says, mm, I don't think I know you. We haven't really talked. Because you think that Buddha was going to get you here. Yeah. Or Scientology. Or any other weirdness out there. Jesus says, go into all the world and tell people the good news. He says, I'm the way. Now go tell everybody else about that. That's, a, that's what we do to stand strong, by the way. Is we don't just hide out, but as long as we're here, folks, we need to tell others. And more and more and more, I'm just feeling like the church, we need to stop trying to do um, the circus act to try to convince people when what we really need to do is trust with what happened in the church in the beginning signs and wonders 
signs and wonders and people who are fully committed to God. Because you know what? After the dust settles, after the television programs are over, after all of that stuff is done, what really people want to know is, how do you make life work? Jesus said, I'm coming again with a trumpet, and all the eyes of the world will see me. He says, don't lose hope. The hope of every Christian is Christ himself. The prophetic call that is growing by the day is clear. Come to Christ now. Like the children of Israel who ran to Moses when he called them to choose, we should choose and run, not walk. That's the Spirit of God speaking to us. We should put our hope in Jesus alone, not in anything, not in any philosophy, not in any, anything other than the person of Jesus Christ himself. Run to him. Talk to him. Believe what he has said. Hold fast to his words. He wants to have a relationship with us so desperately. And he said, look, I'm going, because the disciples were all depressed. When he said, look, I'm going to heaven, they're like, oh, you're leaving? No, only when we just kind of started to get into this thing. Now that we just really, now that we understand you're going to go, he goes, it's, it's going to be fine. I'm sending the Holy Spirit who will remind you of everything that I spoke, who will, by, you will sense my presence through him and so many other things that I write down here. Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus will never leave us in any circumstance. Folks, that's really dipping into this relationship with Jesus thing, isn't it? To just say, you're going to be there every moment. You're never going to leave me hanging when we feel like everybody else in the world has abandoned us or we're there in the darkness of a room gathered with fear to just say the name of Jesus and just say, Lord, I thank you. I remember as a young believer, I would practice this. I would imagine that chair when I was in school, listening to all the crud around me, and I was trying to get out of that life. I was in high school, and I was trying to pull away, and people were talking about parties and drugs and marijuana and cocaine all around me, and I, was, I would just say, Jesus, man, I need you. And I would see a chair in the next row, and it was empty, and I'd say, Jesus, would you please take that seat? And as long as I could see the, him there, and all of a sudden it just was like, man, I'm good to go. Because he told me he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He says, I will give you power to be my witnesses. Acts chapter uh, 1, 5 through 9. Jesus said, look, I'm going away, but I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses. I'm going to give you the kind of power that you can live in this world and stand against the forces of darkness. But see, are you cashing in, so to speak? Are you collecting the promise? When he says, my Holy Spirit's there ready for you, Do you know and are you aware? Are you interacting with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, moment by moment? Now, this is, I'm not bringing this to to shame us. I'm bringing this up to to encourage you to say, look, he's available. He's a gift. Jesus said, look, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give him. He said, it's like the children's bread. He said, if you ask for that, ask for bread, will I give you a stone? No, I love you. I'm for you, says God. And he says, I want to give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him. But how many times are we, have we been asking? That's the, that's the big question. We need to ask more. Jesus says in John 17, 17, I will work in you. And I'm just paraphrasing here. But he says, I will sanctify you with the truth. 
John chapter 17, powerful, powerful section of Scripture. Jesus is praying to the Father, and we get a chance to listen in. And he's saying, Lord, he's saying, Father, and he's talking about the church. He said, sanctify them with your truth. Now there is something very powerful right there for Bible teachers, for believers, because the question always comes about how does God change us? How does, how does a sanctifying work take place? Because we believe in the two works. We believe in justification. That takes place when we say, Jesus, come into my heart, and now we are justified. Now we're going to heaven. The legal act of the, the judge says, not guilty, justified. And then there is a second work that's called sanctification, and that is working out we become like Jesus day in and day out, working through struggles and strongholds and battles and decisions, all that. And he says, that will take place. Jesus is saying, Father, sanctify them. How? By your word. So here we are. We're trying to dust off these foundations. And you know what? The foundations are about as obvious as the nose on your face. Be watchful. Be wise and get into the Word. Too many Christians are duped because they don't know the Bible. Sometimes I want to get on, I mean, you know, I hear people talking and I see them writing in blogs and on Facebook and I'm just going, I'm shaking my head sometimes and I just, I'm shouting at the computer and I'm saying, have you actually read the Bible, my friend? I mean, you need to read it if you're going to make any commentary on it. And really it comes down to just people sometimes just saying God is love and then they take that and place it on the whole word of God. Well, do you know that sometimes love means you have to give your child a spanking? If I love my child, I spank my child. I remember when I first came here, oh man, there was somebody involved in a, 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 a government program and man, she went crazy when you heard I was spanking my kids. I mean, she about came out of her seat. And I understood why because of her upbringing, and it was, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a, there are abusive situations. I understand that. But done biblically, the Bible teaches us, spare the rod, spoil the child. Raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And man, I tell you what, everybody's afraid to do anything with their children anymore. Well, we're just going to let them go and just see how it all turns out. Well, I turned out okay. Well, that's debatable, but anyway... Yeah. I tell people, look, you get what you work for. And some people say, well, yeah, your kids just popped out and, you know, just grew up the way they are. No, man. We've had to work our tails off, praying for them daily, reading the Word of God over them, getting into their lives to protect them beating back the wolves who would try, the wolves of this world, the deceptions, the folly, the mess. I mean, we've had to be aggressive to the point of, of just utter uh, exhaustion at times. You think that just happens? No. you got to work, man. you got to raise up your children. you got to teach them the Word of God. You've got to help them. I mean, I love listening to Ben and Andrew as they, as they take the words they're learning there in Pioneers Club, and they apply it. They don't just say it rote. They preach it to me. Well, Daddy, I don't know if you do that. The Bible says, and I'm like, I want to call up Deb Marshall, you know. Deb, come on, man. Can you? No, I'm kidding. I love it. 
That's how this is going to happen. You want to change a generation? The truth is, there, there are half of our team, half of the virgins, half of the church that are falling asleep and don't have any oil in their lamps. They don't know what's in the Bible, and so they're being just duped into sleeping. It'll all just work out. Mm-mm. Jesus said, look, this is what's going to happen. Friends, this is the time for believers to arise and to speak up about our faith. The enemy has been telling lies and pushing us into the corner with threats, hoaxes, fears. It's time for us to do two things. Based on what we know, being watchful, being wise, getting into the word. Two responses. Folks, get your house in order. Get your house in order. You've been given a gift, a wonderful gift. And that is that you have the words that you can read to prepare. You have oil that may or may not be in your lamp right now, but you know what? You can fill it up today. You can trim the wick, and you can get it ready so that when Jesus comes, man, you're going to have it. You're going to be ready, and you're going to say, I know him. I got my lamp. I'm all filled up. Man, my basement doesn't necessarily fill with all the survival food, but my soul is filled with the survival truth. And that's the end of that. It's time to stop playing with the worldly ways. Look, I'm not here to judge. And that's another thing that we're talking about our culture is that this whole thing, this whole revolution took place to the point where everybody's just saying is judgment is wrong, period. No one should judge anything that anybody, you want to call yourself an it and not relate to being a he or she? So be it. You want to do this? So be it. You want to, and, and it's, it's a, relative, a moral relativism that has come down upon us and everybody just says, oh, finally, a guiltless society, a society of no shame, except if you're Christian. And then you get it. Because apparently we're the only ones who are pointing out as lovingly as we can, danger not a good idea. The Bible doesn't teach that. And a lot of times, what I'm trying to say here, and let me just jump ahead and just say this. Look, it, it, we're not trying to point these things out just to be judgmental and to be religious and to do that. We're pointing it out because, look, we love you. And what you're doing is going to hurt you. We see down the road and know what it's going to do to you. Moral relativism is like taking a person, person who's on crystal meth and do the before and after. The before you start to believe those things, the after you start to believe those things and how it ravages your home, it ravages your life, it'll ravage your mind, it will destroy you and generations to come to the third and fourth generation. It's what the Bible tells us. You got children, raise them up in the fear of the Lord. Teach them truth. Don't let them out the door and say, go ahead, honey, just figure it out on your own. I mean, <laughs> just don't be judgmental. Jesus rebuked the Laodicean church in the book of Revelation. And it wasn't because they were either hot or cold. It wasn't, he didn't rebuke the, the demoniacs because, well, they're gone. He didn't rebuke the church who were on fire for him because they're on fire for him. 
He rebuked the ones in the middle, and he said, you are lukewarm, and you are the ones that I'll spew out of my mouth. Wow. Hard portion of Scripture. But laid into what Jesus is saying in other places, we get it. We get it. He didn't rebuke the church because they could not change. He rebuked the church because he knew they could. It's time to get our house in order. And secondly, it's begin to stand up. It's time to stand up and speak out. The reason why this revolution went on without a hitch is because Christians were not saying a word. Maybe because we were fearful. Maybe we we feared that the NSA were going to break into our houses at night and drag us off and put us in FEMA camps. I don't know. Maybe we were fearful that that the moral judgments of our society, and, and to be honest, that's very true. A lot of people are walking in fear. Afraid of being kicked out of our universities. Afraid of losing our jobs. Afraid of being ostracized. Afraid of no longer getting government help. Afraid of not getting any more favor. Christians, welcome to the real world. Welcome to the world that the first church inherited. And if you're not ready to suffer for your faith, then I question that you have faith at all. It's time for us to get our houses in order. It's time to look at what's going on in our lives and what we're doing and not just going through the motions. Evaluating our lives, evaluating what we're spending our times on. And I'm not just saying that we need to go into this complete avoid the world and and that kind of a thing. I'm not talking about that. We still need to be in the world but not of it. That is the calling of the church. In it, man, all the way in it. In its universities, in its in its businesses, in its government, to the hilt, but being willing to speak out, and sometimes meaning that we got to suffer for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of truth. So, I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to us. I really do. And so I pray, and that's why I want to finish right now, I want to pray over us that we will hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to the church, that we will wise up, that we will be watchful, that we'll get into the Word, and we'll pour into that morning, noon, and night. We'll get in there. We'll dig in. If you've got questions, talk to somebody. But read the words of Jesus. Prepare your heart. Prepare for His coming, because He's coming. And that's an exciting thing, a very exciting.